Well, go ahead and be seated. We're going to share some scriptures with you, but you know, the Holy Ghost is good. He's already confirming the message before we even preach it, but that's all right, isn't it? If anybody came in here with pain or any kind of oppression, you need to be free so you can hear the word. Amen. We're not going to be distracted by any of that stuff. Glory to God. You and I are in the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God is in us. So as pastor shared, and I mentioned it this morning, we're starting a new series. I don't know how long we'll go on this, but it's entitled L-I-F-E, Living in Fullness Every Day. Every day. And as a believer, when we get born again, we change families. And we're not in the family of darkness anymore. Aren't you glad? Bible's pretty clear over in Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 and this one's out of the King James it says who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son do you all believe in translation I do we all been translated translated out of the kingdom of what darkness and you and I are now we're in a brand new family we're in a brand new kingdom and it's the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God you know he he when he came in when he translated us into that kingdom he didn't say okay I'm gonna leave a little bit of darkness in you I'm gonna leave a little bit of bad in you just to remind you how bad you are no when he came when we came out of that darkness we came into complete light. The kingdom of God, it is the kingdom of light. It tells us that over in 1 John chapter 1 verse 5. We're going to lay a little bit of foundation here because this is going to be the scripture foundations for our series. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. All, no darkness at all. God is absolute life and He is absolute light. He doesn't have light, He is light. He doesn't have love, He is love. The Bible said God is love. He doesn't just have life, He is life. And there's no darkness in Him at all. When we get born again, we have what he is on the inside of us. How many of you remember a little song? I've got the life of God in me. I've got the life of God in me. I've got his life, his nature, and his ability. I've got the life of God in me. If you wake up sometimes in the morning and you don't feel very lively... And you don't feel very perky. You ought to just start putting your hands on your spirit. Say, I got the life of God in me. I got his nature. I got his ability. That's something. Think of that. The king of kings. The Lord of lords. The creator of all things. The giver of life. The one who is life. He's in me. Hallelujah. And he wants us to live in that fullness Every day. Just think about it. Why did Jesus come? Did Jesus come just to give us uh, rules and regulations? Did he come 
to establish a kingdom so he could be king? Did Jesus come to prove that he was deity, the son of God? No, I'll tell you exactly why he came. And it's found in John 10.10. We're going to look at it first in the New King James. The thief. That's not Jesus, is it? But that's the devil. The thief does not come except to steal and kill and destroy. But this is why Jesus came. But I came that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Everybody just say abundant life. Doesn't that just sound good? That sounds good. But this verse tells us Jesus' purpose for coming. But it also tells us why the devil's, what his purpose is. And it's clear. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. He uses all sorts of different tactics to try to accomplish his purpose. The enemy does. But I really believe that one of the number one things that the enemy uses, particularly against believers, is deception. He tries to blind our eyes from the truth. There's a scripture over in Hosea chapter 4. The last part of it says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Hosea 4, 6. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Well, we just read that the thief comes to steal, kill, and do what? Destroy. So if God's precious people are being destroyed, it's not God's fault. It's not Jesus' fault. It's the enemy. He comes with these lies. And one of, one of his great tactics is he'll lie. Has, has the devil ever said to you, you may be standing on the word, and has the enemy ever said to you, that's not going to work for you. That scripture's not going to work for you. You're not going to get your healing this time. You're not going to get your bills paid. You know, you were ugly the other day to your husband or to your wife. So the word's not going to work for you. Or has he ever said this to you, the enemy? You know, healing has passed away. There's people that God healed, but it's passed away. Miracles are done away with. We're too smart in this group here to buy those lies. But did you know that billions of Christians do? By that lie, that healing is passed away. Sure, Jesus healed when he was here on this earth, but he's no longer here. So he doesn't do that kind of thing anymore. Miracles don't happen anymore. What is that? That is the enemy trying to steal and destroy us for a lack of knowledge. So we know that that is his purpose. But thank God... We're not going to talk about him anymore. We're going to talk about why Jesus came. He said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Now, I just found this recently in the Spirit-filled Bible. If you have Spirit-filled Bible, this is awesome. The little commentary on John 10.10. Now, let me just read some of this to you. God's covenant to us is a covenant for abundant life. Aren't you glad that we are in covenant With a covenant keeping God. That means if it's in his word, it belongs to us. God is not a man that he should lie. If you can find the promises in the word of God, they belong to us. If it's written, it's ours. Amen. So we have a covenant with this covenant keeping God. 
The Bible reveals God's plan from the beginning was for man, and I love this, to be enriched, prosperous, and live an abundant life. I'll just add this right here. One of God's names is El Shaddai. It's not El Chipo. El Shaddai, the God that is more than enough. Goes on to say in this commentary, God intended for Adam to have dominion and to enjoy his beautiful, plentiful earth that he created. But Satan, through deception, stole what God had given to Adam and to us, really. It was through deception. But Jesus declares his intention in this passage of Scripture. And his intention is to recover and restore to man what was his father's will and to break and block the devil's intent to hinder our receiving it. think that lays it out really clear. We see what the enemy came to do, but Jesus came to restore and to give back to mankind what God originally created for us to have and to enjoy. And you know what that is? Life. And life more abundantly. There's several different words for life in the Bible and in the Greek language, but the one we want to talk about tonight is Zoe. And a lot of people name their kid Zoe. That's a good name. You know what? It's a good name because this is what it means according to W.E. Vines. The God kind of life. Life in the absolute sense. That which the Father has in Himself. And I love this one. Life as God has it. Woo! That's what Jesus said. I'm coming to get back to you. I'm coming to restore to you life as God has it. Well, how do you think God's life is going in heaven? How do you think God's life is there? Do you think God is old and decrepit and can't even stand up from the throne by Himself? No. Do you think that there's, uh, that there's all sorts of run-down, beat-up apartments in heaven? Do you think that the streets have big, huge potholes in them and need all sorts of repair? No. He said, I'm going to give you Zoe, the God kind of life, the life as God has it. Hallelujah. Abundant life. The very light and life of God illuminate heaven. There's nothing there that's decaying or rusting out or growing old. Hallelujah. And when we get born again, that's the life that comes into our spirit. How many believers do we have in the house? Now hold your hand up. Do you all believe everybody... Everybody in here born again. Everybody in here got the life of God in them. Well, you know, one of the most famous scriptures in the Bible that people all over the world know is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have. Read that last part with me. Everlasting 
life. Everlasting life. Now we know, because we're scholars here in this church, but we know that we're made up of three parts. You do know that, right? You are a spirit, which is eternal, created in the likeness and image of God. You have a soul, which is your mind, will, and your emotions. And we live in a physical body here on this earth. And most people, unfortunately, they spend probably 90% of their time on their body. Eating it, eating it. (laughs) Not eating it, feeding it. Doing a lot of eating. (laughs) Not good. Feeding it, resting it, which we should do. We need to take care of our physical bodies. But our bodies are not the part of us that are going to live forever. It doesn't matter. How many vitamins you take, how much ucky green grass that you drink or eat or whatever you choose to do with that stuff. Doesn't matter how much nipping and tucking and lifting and sucking that you do to your bodies. The law of gravity will eventually set in. I think this is so funny. Years ago, somebody gave my brother uh, a, uh, a birthday card. And it said, I see that you're having furniture problems. He opened it up and it says, your chest has fallen into your drawers. But anyway, I thought it was funny. Edit it, whatever. (laughs) Just seeing if y'all are awake. Just was with my brother. You know, you can't hang out with my brother and not. Anyway, whatever. But no matter what we do, and we should try to keep our physical bodies in shape. The law of gravity will set in. The Bible says, though the outward man is perishing, thank God, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. So what are we supposed to do with our bodies? We're supposed to present our bodies to him a living sacrifice. Present our bodies to him. To me, people have that all mixed up, especially in California. Nobody's presenting their body to God. They're worshiping their bodies. Our bodies are the temple of the living God. But our bodies are not the temple to be worshipped. We take care of it because it is our carrier of the spirit of the living God. But the part that is going to live on forever and ever, that eternal part, the spirit man, that's the one that we should be giving more attention to. Amen. Nurturing him, allowing him to grow up into God. And there's something on the inside of Every human being. I am convinced of this. Every single person has something on the inside of them because we are created. Every person in the likeness and image of God that the spirit man hungers and the spirit man cries out to know the creator. They may not know who he is, but they're seeking and they're searching and they're crying out. I see it almost like a a homing device. That's placed on the inside of every human being. And it's just pulling them and pulling them to try to find God and try to know God. And there's so many people that are finding God. 
in places that we wouldn't think they would be. I recently heard that in Iran is the fastest growing Christian churches right now. God is on the move in Iran. And many of the churches and, and the church leaders in Iran are women. Think of it. Glory to God. That's a sign and a wonder in that nation. Hallelujah. These people are finding Jesus. Because Christianity is a relationship with the living God. Religion doesn't satisfy and can't satisfy and will never satisfy. But when people come in contact with the true and the living God, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved and receive this everlasting and this eternal life. When we get born again, immediately that life on the inside of us starts working, starts changing us. Praise the Lord. Over in first, it's actually second Peter chapter one, verse four in the new King James, it says this by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers. I love that word partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. We have been given something. Precious promises. Find them in the word. Find out what belongs to you. And then stand on this. The promises of God are yes and amen. It was written for me and I'm going to receive it and I'm going to walk in and I'm going to have it in my life for us to partake of what is ours, to live in fullness every day. It's a choice. It's available because the life is in there, just like the love is in there. The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. But it is that every day that we walk in love, we have to choose to walk in love. It's a choice. And it's the same with partaking of these precious promises. The life is in there, but we have to choose to come and receive and partake. It's just like if, if someone invited you over to a, a meal at their house and this table was spread with everything awesome and everything delicious and they could start telling you how they made it and how wonderful it is and they could describe it to you and maybe you were over at Rose Marquez's house and boy these guys know how to have a feast through the years we've enjoyed beautiful fellowship there and somebody starts talking about these homemade tamales and man your mouth is just watering she's describing how she made them and they're so awesome and we're all going to go over to your house after this for no anyway but they could be yes and amen she could be describing them and you could be thinking about it but you know what until you partake the tamales are going to remain on the table you can dream about them you can talk about them but unless you pick them up and put them and partake and put them in your mouth 
Those tamales aren't going to be in you. They're going to be on the table. And that's the way too many of the promises of God are. People can even talk about them. They can discuss them. But they're not partaken. They didn't inhale. They didn't take the word of God onto, into the inside of them. But that, we're a partaker. That's a good thing to say. Everybody lift your hands right now and say, I'm a partaker of the promises of God. I'm a partaker of the life of God. I drink in of the life and I let it flow out of me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. Well, I'm partaking and I'm enjoying. Now, I want to go back to John 10, 10, and I want to look at it out of the Amplify. The thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. But this is what we're going to look at again. Why did Jesus come? I came that they might have, and he adds this word here, and enjoy life and have it in abundance. To the full, till it overflows. Jesus didn't just come to save us. He came to give us life in abundance. Abundance in every area. Abundance of peace. Abundance of joy. Abundance of health. Abundance of prosperity. And he wants you to not only enjoy the spiritual things that he has imparted into our spirit, but he wants you to enjoy your life. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your hobbies. Our lives were not meant just to get on a treadmill of do 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 and go 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 our lives are meant to have pleasure in them to have enjoyment in them get off of the treadmill of life and find out some things that that bring refreshing to your soul and to your body we're three parts our spirit man is first and the spiritual things that he has given unto us is what we need to give our attention to first of all and to partake of but we do only have one body and if you don't take care of this body, we only have one mind. We got to take care of all three parts and enjoy. Enjoy God's creation. Go out for a walk by the beach. You know, you might say, well, I don't, I don't have money to go here and go there. Go to a park. Go to the beach. It's free. To go look at the ocean. We're blessed to live in this beautiful Bay Area. So let's enjoy God's creation. Amen. It'll do something for your soul as well. But the word abundant. He said, I came to give you life and to give it in abundance to the full till it overflows. So I looked up this word abundant in Strong's Concordance. Listen to this. These words will just bless you. You can get blessed just reading Strong's Concordance. Superabundance. Excessive. Overflowing. Surplus. Over and above. Extraordinary. More than enough. Some people say, well, you know, God 
is not wasteful. No, he's not wasteful, but he is extravagant. Hallelujah. I'd say it's excessive if your streets are pure gold. They're not even just paved with gold. They're pure gold. I'd say that God is into surplus. I've been told, I've never gone out there and counted it, but I've been told that there's more bananas in the jungle than the monkeys can eat. God is a God of overflow. A God of surplus. Hallelujah. Didn't the psalmist David said, bless that our cup runneth over, runneth over. What's a running over blessing? Well, that means that you're pouring water into your glass and it's half full, then it's full, but running over as you, God just keeps pouring it on and it runs over onto the table. It runs over onto the floor. It runs over out into the street and it not just blesses you. But it blesses your neighbors, blesses your family, blesses your friends. That's the abundant kind of life he came to give us. Hallelujah to the full till it overflows. And aren't you glad that the Bible says he came to give us an abundant life and not a redundant life? Not a dry, boring life mundane life that phrase again sticks out to me have and enjoy have and enjoy the word enjoy listen to these definitions from good old Webster to derive pleasure from to have benefit or use of To have benefit or use of. Are we enjoying the benefits of being a believer? What the psalmist David say in Psalms 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name and forget not what all his Benefits to have benefit or use of is a definition for enjoy. So he's saying, enjoy what I've done for you. Enjoy your life. Enjoy your life in me. And then this is a very interesting definition for the word enjoy. To relish in the pleasures in which one partakes to relish it literally means to be gratified to enjoy you know you might say well i'm just relishing in that wonderful meal well we talk a lot about food in this church so sorry don't anybody get hungry right now i'm relishing in that great meal that we had last night Now listen to this. I heard this actually years ago from Joyce Meyer and I can't improve on it. So I'm going to just use it. What do we do with relish? Well, people put relish on a hot dog to make it taste better. You might be one of those people that like your hot dog bland and dry and boring, but no thanks. It's got to have mustard and relish and onions on it for me to eat it. But relish, why do we put relish? On a hot dog to make it taste better. Hot dog can be eaten without relish, 
but a relish adds flavor to it. Did you know that life is the same? He said, I came that you would have and enjoy, that you would put some relish into your life. Don't go through life just bland and boring, going through the motions of work, accomplishment, doing, and never truly enjoying life. It's a choice. We can tap into Zoe, the God kind of life, the life as God intended for us to have and to enjoy. And how do we keep this life stirred up on the inside of us? Well, we're going to talk about a little bit about praying in tongues, but something that came to me this afternoon. So I was praying about this. One way that we keep that life stirred up on the inside of us is to give it away. Think about it. Give it away. You know, I grew up on a farm in Oklahoma and we had several ponds. We had two ponds on our 160 acre farm, but every pond that is built has to have what they call a spillway. And it has to have a channel where if it rains, fresh water from a little creek flows into the pond. And the spillway is where the water flows out when it overflows. And if a body of water doesn't have fresh water coming in and water flowing out, you know what begins to happen? It gets stagnant. It gets stagnant and the the fish in there die. Things die in a stagnant pool or pond of water. If water isn't flowing in and flowing out, if there's not some sort of movement, it dies. And everything in it dies. Well, it's the same with our spirit. So I was praying, I just kept hearing this, let the river flow. Let the river flow. Some of you are saying, I'm not enjoying my life. I feel dry as a bone spiritually. You know what? One of the best ways for you to get out of that stagnation in your life spiritually, give life away. Find somebody that you can share Jesus with. Find some way that you can be a blessing. And let that river, even though you think, oh man, there's not much life in there. Oh yes, he's in there. Let him flow out. And when it begins to flow out, it causes the water on the inside of you to be stirred up. And that movement, hallelujah, and that action given to it will cause that life to be replenished on the inside of you. Jesus talked about this. He said over in John chapter 7, verse 37 and 38, this is our last scripture here. He said, now on that final and most important day of the feast. Jesus stood and he cried in a loud voice. If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Come to me and drink. In the natural, when we're thirsty, we don't always hydrate well. Do you know that coffee, and I know this by experience, Dr. Pepper and sweet tea, don't quench your thirst. Tastes good for a moment, but they don't quench your thirst like water does. 
And Jesus was saying, I believe it's an illustration for us. He said, come to me and drink. When we're thirsty in the natural, we don't always drink the right things. We drink other substance that don't quench our thirst. And he's saying here, it's the same thing spiritually. When you are thirsty, come to me and drink. Don't try to substitute other things for that thirst that's happening on the inside of you. It's only through him that we can be satisfied. Come to me and drink. And when we do that, then what happens? He tells us in verse 38, he who believes in me, who cleaves to and trusts and relies on me, as the scripture had said, from his innermost being shall flow continuous springs and rivers of living water. We cannot take in a trickle and expect a river to flow out. So it's got to start with us coming to him. Spending time with him in his word, in his presence and drinking in that refreshing happens when we come to him and then we're able to let it flow out of us to hurting, sighing, dying humanity. And how often should this water be flowing out of us? He said continuously. We ought to be having rivers of living water flowing out of us. The river of life that pours into us from him should be available to thirsty humanity around us. Does anybody know anybody that's not born again? Anybody know anybody that's hurting? Anybody know anybody that's going through a difficult time physically? You know what we are? Keith Hershey said this years ago, we are God's water boys. We are carriers of the living water of God. It's on the inside of us, but it's not just for us. It's for people around us. Living in fullness every day is learning how to drink in And then how to dispense that living water to those around us. Dispensers of good. good. Dispensers of life. There's nothing like giving Jesus away. There's nothing like praying for somebody and seeing that anointing, that burden removing, that yoke destroying power of God go up into their lives and bring change. Talk about the life of God getting stirred up on the inside of us when we realize we are his and we're carriers of his life. And then how Jesus said here, he said, from your innermost being shall flow continuously rivers, rivers of living water. Not just one. Let the rivers flow. Let the rivers flow. Hallelujah. Everybody stand up.